people, good morning. And if you're joining us online, good morning. Hey, uh, you may be here and maybe you're visiting. We were with family. Welcome. And maybe this is your first time here. Maybe you've been coming for a while. We're just delighted you're here. We are starting, as Ross said, we are starting a new series um, on Advent. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about that as we move forward. The, the idea that we want to talk about here is that we, it seems to me, and I don't know about you, but it seems to me like people are losing hope. That people seem like they have uh, lost hope, that our world needs hope. Um, we just see it kind of all around us, right? And um, I was thinking, oh, is that because things have got, life's got harder and more difficult? And I was thinking about that, and, I, and again, this is my opinion. I don't know if that's the case, because when you think about it, my parents and my grandparents went through world wars where they lost, like, family members. Like, just, it, you know, it was the time where it was like this was an all-out thing, right? It affected the whole world. We don't really have that going on right now. But what is, has happened, though, is we have a number of people today who have jettisoned any belief system they have in God, any hope that they would have in life after death. And I think that has brought around an angst that uh, we haven't seen uh, in a long, long time. Um, like, essentially what I'm saying is, I think we have a number of people who have, we have a name, you know, there's a name for them, we call them the nuns, people who identify as, I'm not affiliated with any faith, any religion, anything, right? Um, so uh, they would say something like this, I don't know if there's a God, I don't know if there's an afterlife, uh, I believe when you die, you're done, um, there's no heaven, there's no hell, and eventually this earth is going to burn out and, and everyone's going to die. And I think we have a generation of kids that have grown up with that kind of mentality that believe that this world isn't going to be around in 10 years because of the, the global warming, because of, you know, the, just all the different things going on. And many, many young people are saying, I don't want to get married, I don't want to have kids because I don't want to bring children into this world. It's not a good place. It's, you know. And you know, that's the negativity that, that a lot of the generations are struggling with today. Now, the interesting thing is, the message of Christianity is this. You're right. Things are really bad <laughs> in this world because this is a dark place, and things are getting worse. Uh, and they're getting darker. And here's the worst part. We can't help ourselves or save ourselves. But this is where the message of the gospel comes in. Because the message of the gospel says, a light has shone forth. God has touched ground. Jesus has come from heaven to earth. And that's what we want to talk about. You know, there's this old song when I was a kid, I used to hear it. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. And I think it does. But what the world needs right now is hope. What we, what you need, what I need is hope. And that's what we want to talk about. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of hope that we say, 
cross your fingers and hope it comes true. Like it's a 50-50 shot and hopefully uh, it'll happen. That's not what we're talking about. When we talk about hope in Scripture, we're talking about confident expectation. It's a done deal. It just hasn't played out yet, but it's going to happen, right? That's what the Bible means when it talks about hope. So um, we're going to talk about, so you see up on the, the, the slide, uh, and you see it on the lower third online, it says Emmanuel. And some of you are looking at that, and you're going, I think I spelled wrong. I think it should be an I, not an E. And let me just clarify that for a minute. So the word Emmanuel, where does it come from? Well, it comes from Isaiah chapter 7. Let me read it to you, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And in my English translation there, it's an I. Ah, pastor, there you go. But here's the thing. Here's what has happened. What has happened is from the Greek, people have taken it and made it an E. So it means the same thing. It doesn't matter if it's an E or it's an I. The I just is from the Hebrew. The E is more from the Greek. It just means the same thing. Well, what does Emmanuel mean, though? God with us. God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. Okay? So um, turn over to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2. And I'm going to read verse 2 and verse 6 and 7 just to kind of pull it together quickly. Look at what it says. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So the question is, who's this great light? Who's this great light? Well, Jesus often spoke of himself as being light, being the light. In John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, uh, it's, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the question is, how does Jesus bring us hope? Because if, if, if that's what you need, and that's what I need, and that's what our world needs, and we need it now, how do we find hope now? So a while ago, we were going through the epistles, the New Testament epistles, or we call them the letters. And I want, so in those letters, they have greetings. And in the letter that Paul wrote to 1 Timothy, the first part of the letter is the greeting. And it was like, hey, how you doing? Just, you know, this is me and I'm writing to you. And when we go through that, we don't often think about it. But in, with our ears perked up now, we're, we're looking for hope. We're thinking of this idea of hope. Now let me read you that, that salutation that Paul gives Timothy. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. Paul says, Jesus is our hope. Christ Jesus is our hope. 
The question is, how is he our hope? How does Jesus bring us hope? Well, there's a few things in Scripture that we can, we can draw from. The first thing that we can find hope from, find hope is, Jesus brings us hope by saving us from our sins. Now, whether you like it or not, the Bible says that we all struggle with sin. And in fact, it's very interesting. Uh, there was a time, and you probably remember reading it, and maybe you heard it when you were a, a child, that Joseph and Mary, and Joseph was kind of going around because he, she's uh, pregnant and he had never been with her, and so he doesn't know what to think of it, and he's about ready to dismiss her as his wife, and we don't have that custom in our culture. Essentially what he wanted to do was he wanted to, to move away from Mary because he didn't know what was going on, essentially. So the angel comes to Joseph and says, what has happened to Mary is of the Holy Spirit. This is of God. So stick with Mary. And, and this is what he says, the angel said, this is what the angel says to Joseph. This is Matthew 121. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Well, this is the name we, we're all aware of, right? Well, he gives a little definition here. Because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came on a mission. He didn't come to be a great teacher, though he was. He didn't come to be a great a leader, though he was. He didn't come to heal everyone. He healed some, but he didn't heal everyone. He came to set his people free from their sins because we all need to be set free. Now, the good news and the bad news of the gospel is this, that we're all born slaves to sin, that we're all natural-born sinners. So I was, uh, the last couple days, I was with my uh, family down in North Liberty, and uh, I, I don't know how it happened. But as I wa and the oldest one's around seven-ish, the youngest one is going to be about a year old pretty quick here. And they figured out how to say no. I don't think any of their parents sat down and said, no, Johnny, <laughs> they're not named Johnny, but here's... When you don't want to do something, here's what the words you use. When you want to disobey me, this is what you should say. And by the way, you don't have to define disobedience because they know what, and they've got kind of a PhD in all of that. They are they're scholars in, in, in not wanting to do what you want them to do. And I thought it was just my kids that somehow I messed up, not Carol, but I messed up. What I figured out, though, was that we all, my kids, my grandkids, and me, have a natural bent to move away from God. And uh, Jesus came to set us free from that. Look at what Paul writes in Romans 6. It's very interesting. He says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that our body, uh, ruled by sin, might be done away that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Jesus came to set us free from sin. How do he do it? By giving his life, by offering his life, by taking our sins so we could be forgiven, by giving his life so that we could live. 
Uh, I like how Paul writes in Galatians 5.13, he writes this, and this is the New Living Translation. You have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. One of the struggles that we have from the day that we are born until the day we die is whether we're going to allow sin to rule and reign in our lives or whether we're going to follow God. And what I find is sometimes what Jesus has done is he's opened the gate, the prison cell, and he bids us to come out to live this new life. And we like the cell. We say and do things that are sinful. Have you ever wondered about that? When your behavior, your words, you go, why did I do that? What? Paul wrestled with it. He says, the good I want to do, I don't. The, 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 the sin that I don't want to do, I do. Who will save me from this? It's a lifelong struggle. But you know, people who don't love Jesus and don't know God, they don't even worry about it. It's no worry of theirs. It's no worry of theirs. Jesus came. One of the things, one of the good, the, the things that brings us hope is that Jesus came to set us free from sin, that we can say no to sin, and one day we will be set free, completely, totally free from sin. Here's the second thing Jesus came to give us hope by coming to set our world right. Look at what Paul writes. Uh, this is Titus chapter 2. Now, let me just stop for a minute. So whether you're joining us online or whether you're in-house here, and I'm throwing, I've gone to four or five different passages, and you may not have a Bible app on your phone. You may not have a Bible. Um, there's some in the seat in front of you. But you would say, even if I knew, I could pull the Bible out, I couldn't find Titus. Is that what you said? I want you to know you're in the right place. Because every one of us has to learn how to find verses. Every one of us is at different levels of understanding. The person that's sitting next to you probably is not a scholar, though there might be a few in the room. But probably not the person sitting next to you. I remember going, as a, as a new follower of Jesus Christ, I remember going to a Bible study. And, and I answered out loud... And my answer, and I, it was, I thought that John the Baptist and the Apostle John were the same person. Some of you are going, isn't he? No, he's not. For future reference, if you're in a Bible study, no, he's not. Because what happened right after that is a couple of people laughed at me and made fun of me. So you know what I did? I never went back to that Bible study again. No, that's not what I did. You know what I did? I said, I don't really care whether you think that's funny or not. I'm going to learn, and I'm going to figure this out, because this is real, and this is truth. I'm a pastor today, okay? And I've done a lot of study. But my point is this, no matter where you're at, Understand, I went through religious classes, okay, my whole life, and I didn't know that. And so if you're here and you're thinking, I feel like I'm an idiot as far as the Bible is concerned, you're in the right place. I'm a former idiot. I still am. <laughs> That's okay. All right, so we're in Titus, okay? Sorry for that little 
Matt moment. <laughs> Look at verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Notice verse 13. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of God, uh, of our great God and Savior, Christ, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from the wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. The passage we read in um, Isaiah, where it says he's, a child is born, a son is given, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, you know that passage? That's talking about the birth of Jesus. We call that the first advent or the first coming of Jesus. That's when Jesus became flesh and was born in a manger in Bethlehem. And that was the first coming. But then Jesus lived the life we should have lived, died the death we should have died. He, he was crucified on a Roman cross. He was buried and rose again on the third day. And then he ascended into heaven and he said, I'm coming back. That's the second advent. That's the glorious appearing that Paul's talking about in Titus. He's, there's two comings of Jesus. The first one was about 2,000 years ago when he was born in a manger. The second one is yet to come. And we're in those in-between times where God, Jesus has defeated the devil. He's defeated sin but it's not completely done yet. We're in the middle of it. One day Jesus is coming back. We call that the glorious appearing. And what's going to happen? He's going to set all things right. He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. He will set all things right. Things are out of keister today, aren't they? They're just, so many things just need to be set right and they're not. He will rule with justice. There's so much injustice in our world. People cry out every day for justice. I mean, you can't read the paper and say, oh, justice for this family, justice for this family. And there's no justice. His, his government will be, uh, his government is peace will have no end. There is a coming government. There's a coming peace. There's a coming hope. Here, here's what I want you to see. The central message of Christianity is that the Son of God has come into the world as a real man to destroy the works of the devil and to save his people from their sins and to create a new people for his own glory. How did he do this? He did it by leaving his heavenly throne to be born as a baby in a lowly manger. He lived a life in obedient submission to the law and he gave his life on a Roman cross for the sins of his people. The writer of Hebrews says this, Christ was sacrificed once and for all to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Are you waiting for him? Are you excited for his? Are you looking at his second coming and saying the blessed hope of his second coming? Are you, does that thrill your heart? And some of you are saying, I, I, I want Jesus to come, but there's a whole bunch of things that I've yet to do yet. I don't want to miss out. There's certain things I want to do before he comes. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Jesus gives us hope. 
by giving us a happy ending. Everybody likes a happy ending. When you watch a movie, when you're on a TV show, read a book, you want a happy ending, especially for your life, right? You want a happy ending. Uh, the Bible gives us a happy ending. The problem is we're in the middle of the story. It's not over yet, right? Okay, so yesterday was an interesting day. I was sitting in the basement of one of my boys in Michigan, University of Michigan was playing Ohio State, and they're bitter rivals. And I think a lot of people thought Michigan was going to lose because it was at Ohio State. Some of you are tuning me out because you don't really care about this, and that's okay. Tune me out. I don't care. So all my boys were sitting there. We were watching. Some were watching soccer, but two of the boys were really interested in the game. And every time Michigan scored, every time Michigan made a great, they jumped up and high-fived. It was, it was, yeah! going crazy, right? Going crazy. And they were like, at the end of the game, it was like, they were so giddy. They were so like, great, get yeah. You know, it was, it was fantastic. Happy endings. Happy endings cause you to, just, yeah. You know, the Bible begins in a garden with a tree, tree of life. The Bible ends in a garden, really a garden city, and a forest of life. Look at, look at Revelation chapter 22. It says this, Then the angel showed me the river of water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne um, and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are, are for healing, the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. Look, the curse is over. The darkness is now light. Evil has been destroyed. There's a new heaven and new earth. All things have been made new. Happy ending. Many people ask, so what, what will heaven be like? And I want to say there's a great continuity between this life that we're living now and life in eternity. It's not like you're going to be sitting in a cloud with a, a harp. Nothing against people who play harps. If you play a harp, I'm not here to offend you, okay? But... I'm, that's not me, okay? But here's, here's what heaven will be like. The book of Revelation tells us what, it will, what it'll be like. It's going to be similar to this life, but it's going to be much better. Um, so here's a few things. There's going to be no more tears. And what I mean by that is what, what John says in Revelation 21.4. He will wipe away Every tear from their eyes. Why? There'll be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain for the older things have passed away. Now, I don't know about you, but some of you maybe are in pain. Maybe you're, on, you're, you're joining us online. You're in pain today, and you're saying, when will this end? I don't know. I hope you find a doctor, and he can give you relief. But there is a day coming where there will be no more pain. Some of you have lost friends and loved ones in the last couple of weeks, maybe the last couple of months. People that were really dear to your heart. 
And I just want to tell you, there'll be no funerals in heaven. There'll be no wakes, no memorial services. There'll be no more tears. Secondly, there'll be a new heaven and new earth. I'm just going to scratch the, the surface this morning. Paul writes in 21, or John writes in 21.1, Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Now there's a couple of interesting things there. This, this earth is going to be renew, renewed, remade, and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. The new Jerusalem's coming down to this earth. And so the, the correlation is that there'll be very similar things happening in heaven that happen today in our lives. I'll get into that in, more in a minute. But I want to make a, a reference here to John makes kind of this odd statement to some of us that he says there will be no longer any sea. We look at that and we go, what is, what is that all about? Maybe you heard about the guy that uh, fell off the uh, luxury uh, boat recently. Maybe didn't. Well, apparently he was a little drunk because uh, I think you have to be to fall off those boats. I don't think that naturally, you know, like the thing is down here and you step and take the picture now. You know, it, I don't think it works that way. Okay. So he fell in, and the boat kind of realized he was gone, and they went back, and they couldn't find him, so they had to go to their next destination, and uh, they sent the um, Coast Guard, and the Coast Guard found him. 24 hours later, he had been, you know, treading water for 24 hours. I don't think he would mark that down as one of the best experiences of his life. I think it probably was terrifying. And it was awful. Do you remember the disciples when Jesus got onto the boat? And he, he was asleep. And they went out. And then the storm came. And these are, some of these are seasoned fishermen. And they were terrified. Now, when they talk about the Sea of Galilee, we kind of think of a sea. It's kind of like a big lake. Like we have like the Finger Lakes and we have the Great Lakes. And those are bigger, quite a bit bigger than, than what we're talking about with the Sea of Galilee. Okay, And they were absolutely terrified of this storm. Can you imagine being out in the middle of the sea and having a storm hit you? So the point that John is writing is whatever there is that would bring terror to you will no longer be, will be gone. And one of the greatest terrors of people was the sea drowning and having a storm come. But number three, we'll have resurrected physical bodies. Look at what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly, eagerly await the Savior from there, the Lord Jesus, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, notice the last line here, will transform our lowly body so that we will be like his glorious body. You will have a physical body in heaven, here on earth, okay? But your body will not be like it is now. Some of you are going, thank goodness. I mean, it, it, it's going to be, it's not going to be version 2.0 or 3.0 or 5.0. It's going to be like 1,000.0. It's going to be amazing. You are going to have a physical existence in heaven. 
There'll be many things that you do today that you can do in heaven. Some of you had some great food, maybe some of the best food you've had in the last couple months. You just savored it, pie and whatever else. The best pie you've ever eaten. You haven't eaten the best pie. When you get to heaven, you say, wow. You, you will be able to, your body will be physically strong. It won't get weak. It won't get sick. It won't get tired. You won't hurt your, none of those things are going to happen. You are going to have a new resurrected body. And, and the other thing you're, that's going to be amazing is there's going to be creativity. Some of you are artists. Some of you uh, like to build things. Some of you, and, and here the point is, there are Christians that think, I just, I'm afraid that if, I, uh, if Jesus were to come back, and I know, Pastor, you said it's a glorious appearing, I should be excited about it, but there's things I'm going to miss out on that I just don't want to miss, uh, miss out on. There's things that I wish, uh, I, I, I want to I be able to do these things first, then he can come. Paul writes this. I love this verse. Write, it, write the reference down and maybe write it down on a card and memorize it. 1 Corinthians uh, 2.9. What no, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those that love him. In other words, Paul says, let your mind go wild. You've never seen it. You've never heard it. You've never experienced what God has planned for those who love him. You have yet to see it. You have not yet to experience it. It is going to be beyond your wildest imagination. The answer to the question is you will, you will be missing out on nothing. In fact, what, the thing you're missing out on, you will forget quickly. Um, I've read this quote a number of times. I'm going to read it again. C.S. Lewis, he says this, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. We are like children who are playing with pennies. And our parents come to us and say, we want to take you to a, the best and most incredible amusement park that you've ever seen. And we say, no, I want to play with my pennies. That's essentially what Lewis is saying. That our desires are too low. Our expectations are too low. The things that we're afraid to lose are pennies compared to what he has planned for us to those who love his appearing. See, that's what we're talking about. That's the hope. Somebody has said hope is like a cork. And you know, you take a cork and you push it underwater, and what happens? It pops back up. It will go under for a while, but it'll pop back up. What is it that gives us hope? Well, Jesus said, I'm going to go, but I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you will be also. 
Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you my spirit. And he's going to be the down payment of everything that's going to come. Jesus says, I'm coming back. And there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And all the things that stink in this life are going to be gone. And, and there's going to be a life that is beyond your imagination. Your eyes have never seen it. Your ears, ears have never heard of it. And it is going to blow your mind. That's the hope. Let me give you just a down-to-earth example. Let's just say, and I heard this a number of years ago, and I thought it was a great illustration. Let's just say that uh, two people are, are doing the same job. They're hired by the, the company to do the same job. Turn bottle caps on bottles all day long. And, and uh, they're hired for one day. And uh, the first one comes into the office. The manager says, you, your job is to screw the, screw the tops on the bottle and uh, make sure you don't get behind you have a 15, two 15-minute breaks and a half an hour for lunch. At the end of the day, you're going to get $300. Okay? At the end of the day, you're going to get $300. The next person comes in. Uh, the, the manager says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to screw the tops on. Uh, you, make sure the bottles, you, you keep up with the pace. Uh, it's going to be a hard pace. It's going to be hot. It's not going to be comfortable. Uh, you're going to get uh, two 15-minute breaks. You're going to get a half an hour for lunch. But at the end of the day, you're going to get $100,000. Can you imagine if they're working next to each other? The one is going, oh, this is terrible. Oh. The other one goes, I don't know. Seems all right to me. This is great. I'm having a great day. <laughs> oh, there's a break already? Really? Okay, cool. Lunch already? Really? All right. What changes there? Somebody has a different perspective on how the day's going to end, right? Our world doesn't have that. There's a lot of young people that don't have that today. Maybe you're here, you walked in, maybe you're joining us online. You don't have that. This is what the Bible's describing. The Bible's saying, this is how it all ends. This is the final score. This is, this is how it's all going to play out. This is why we have hope. Yes, it's difficult. Jesus, in this world, you'll have tribulation. It's going to be hard. But I have overcome the world. There is something better coming. Hold on to the hope because it's coming. That's why we look forward to the blessed coming of Jesus Christ. That's how hope works. You remind yourself Jesus is preparing a place for you that you have an eternal inheritance kept in heaven and that he's coming back to you and for you. When you remind yourself of these things, it brings you hope no matter what your circumstances are. And we need that today. Paul writes this. He says, now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. One day we'll see, and it'll all make sense. One day we'll look, and it'll all be clear. It's not now, because the story hasn't ended. But there is a happy ending, and that happy ending brings us hope. So we are doing Advent this year. We're celebrating with the candles. And the first candle is the candle of hope. And I know they're not colored and everything. 
But I want to, as I light this candle, I want you to think through the idea that the light that brings hope is Jesus. And that when you leave this place, when you're done joining us online, Jesus doesn't leave you. He goes with you. The light of hope goes with you. So the light of hope is Jesus Christ. And I hope you all have that hope because the world doesn't offer it. But God does through His Son, through the Savior, the one who died for you so that you could live, the one who took your sins so that you could be forgiven, the one who says, I'm coming back. The happy ending is Jesus has won. The last words he uttered on the cross were what? It is finished. It is finished. Would you stand with me as I pray? Father, thank you for the hope that you can, only you can offer. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that we, when we place our faith and trust in you and we look to you, we find hope. We find a happy ending. And boy, don't we need that now, Father. So no matter what our circumstances or our situation is, help us to look to the end, to the final score. Help us to see the hope that only you can offer. And we just give you thanks and praise as we look forward to the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.